Thank you so much for having me here. It's a real honor. We uh, so enjoyed having Dr. Reed come and minister to us at Emmanuel Bible Church in Simcoe. And uh, I wasn't interested in coming north uh, to minister. I had been ministering in the Dallas, Texas area, Richardson, which is a suburb, for a number of years. And uh, just one thing led to another. The Lord opened the door, and uh, we followed followed his lead, and so we are just blessed. I, I, I want to say this about your president, Dr. Reed, and you know this already, but I, I want to say it, and you can affirm it, but he is such a kind and compassionate person. Would you agree with me about that? Our people just love Dr. Reed, and uh, he, he has been a blessing uh, to us. Can you tell that I'm from Tennessee? <laughs> tell. Uh, I want to tell you a story. I was going through McDonald's drive through when we first moved to Simcoe, and I placed my order, and the lady on the other end of the speaker said, would you repeat that order, please? And I said, uh, didn't you understand what I was saying? She said, no, I just want to hear your accent again. <laughs> so, and I, I've been here 16 years, and you'd think that uh, it would be refined and more Canadian, but it, it's not. It's just the same as it is. We go into the States once or twice a year to visit family, and uh, we love to do that. I have three adult children, two of whom are married. We have one grandson by one of the couples uh, who are our adult children, and uh, all three of the children sound very much Canadian. They've assimilated the culture. They came when they were, what, uh, 15, 13, and 11. And so now they're, the youngest is how old? 26? And uh, anyway, you get the idea. <laughs> doing the math. I'm doing the math in front of you. And anyway, uh, they've assimilated the, the accent, and I haven't, so I'm a rebel, I guess you'd say. It was 20, excuse me, it was 36 years ago in a setting like this, in Dallas, Texas. Sitting in chapel, I was engaged to be married. It was American Thanksgiving was about to take place and we were going on our Thanksgiving break and I was distracted because I was driving home from Dallas to Chattanooga, Tennessee in anticipation of my wedding day which would have been which was one day after Thanksgiving day. Anybody here engaged to be married? Uh, okay. Are, are you going to get married over the holidays during Christmas? Or? I wish, but no. You will. <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't wish it because uh, it is so hard to concentrate. It is really hard to, because I was, we were in chapel, then we were going to have our Thanksgiving break. I was driving back to Chattanooga to get married. I had to be back. That, was, that would have been maybe on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Uh, when got married on the Friday, Thanksgiving was on Thursday, I was back in class on Tuesday. My wife never got a just, fair kind of honeymoon, and so I try to make up for it, compensate for it over the process of time, but uh, this is a favorite time of the year for us. Yesterday was our 36th anniversary, and we thank you. Another reason that this is a favorite time of the year is because of American Thanksgiving. And one of the good things about being an American living in Canada, I get to celebrate Thanksgiving twice. And that's really cool. Uh, another reason that this is a favorite time of the year is American Thanksgiving is generally the gateway into the Christmas season. You know, you have... Uh, 
Thanksgiving and then you have Black Friday and everything kicks into motion. And I don't mean that so much from the secular standpoint. I'm a sucker for uh, sentiment and sentimentalism. And I just love the Christmas season. And one of the reasons that Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, is so neat is because uh, you get to look forward to Christmas. And that's half the fun of Christmas. Uh, I want to talk about Christmas and the Christmas event. And I want to speak in particular about the role of angels in the Christmas event. Uh, the whole idea of uh, the, the presence of angels in the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. For believers and non-believers alike, the topic of angels manages to get a lot of attention. And there are people who don't know the Lord, who don't have a real understanding about uh, angel activity, angelic activity, with all the wonderment that angels arouse, not everyone is convinced even of their reality. Uh, there was a woman, Sophie Burnham, who wrote the book entitled A Book of Angels back in 1995, and in the book she says, it is not that skeptics do not experience the mysterious and divine, but rather that the mysteries are presented to them in such an everyday, reasonable way so as not to disturb. In so many words that there are things going on around us that we're not particularly aware of, especially uh, the non-believing world. But we as believers in Jesus Christ, believers in the authority of the Scripture, knows that the Scripture testify to the presence of angels. Psalm 91, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep you in all your ways. In the early 1960s, during the course of the civil rights movement in the United States, a middle-aged mother answered a knock at the door only to find an elderly black man uh, looking to do some work so that he could eat. The woman invited the man into her kitchen and prepared him a sandwich and they visited while he ate. The two discovered they shared a common faith in Jesus Christ and talked about he had been faithful in their lives. And when the man thanked the woman for his simple meal, he departed the house, leaving his hat behind in the kitchen where he had just eaten. Only just a few seconds had lapsed when the woman rushed out the front door, waving the hat for the man who could not be found anywhere and whose sudden disappearance led the woman to conclude that she had entertained an angel unawares. Do you believe that's possible? It happens. It happens. That woman was my mother. My mother is now with the Lord, and I can remember her telling that story on repeated occasions when the uh, situation warranted it. Hebrews 13, it says, Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Billy Graham, before he passed away, wrote a book entitled Angels, God's Secret Agents. He says, Christians should never fail to sense the operation of angelic glory. It forever eclipses the world of demonic powers as the sun does a candle's light. In another article entitled Marveling at the Mystery, the writer says, something about the Christmas story appeals to our fascination with mystery. It has all the elements of intrigue, the aura of starlit skies, ancient customs, rustic environs, delicate life, veiled greatness, inquisitive wisdom, high conspiracy, imminent danger, and oh yes, angels. 
They are the unruffled presence in a plot unfolding on the pages of history. They are God's choice to mediate the most remarkable event, bridging time and eternity. And I'd like us to give attention to that in just the few minutes that we have. Uh, I would like us to consider the role of angels in the Christmas event and to probe the relationship of angels to God's Son, Jesus Christ, as well as their relationship to us who are believers in Christ. We will do this through the construction of a thought-provoking sentence. And here is the sentence. I'd like you to take uh, note of this sentence, even if you just want to write it down. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels that which angels long to look into. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels that which angels long to look into. And what is that? Salvation. I want to break that sentence down into three sections, and I want to elaborate on each of those sections. He who is far greater than the angels. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of professing Jewish believers. Uh, they had come to faith in Christ, or they were considering faith in Christ. Uh, the Bible scholars argue about where those who are in the audience of this epistle stand. Nevertheless, he is challenging them not to go backward, but to go forward. Be but because of persecution that they were facing, they were considering going back into their Judaistic practices. And in the book of Hebrews, the writer is, is seeking to establish the superiority of Jesus Christ over angels, over Moses, over the priesthood, uh, the superiority of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All of those things are in play throughout the book of Hebrews. But when he talks about the superiority of Jesus Christ, he begins by establishing his superiority over angels. He who is far greater than the angels. Hebrews 1, verses 3 and 4. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Talking about Jesus Christ is superior to the angels. What is Jesus like in relation to the angels? First of all, he created them. We know this from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, the Word being the Logos. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Speaking of even the uh, uh, hierarchy of angelic forces, the principalities and the powers, He created angels. We know this from Colossians 1. Verse 16, for by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Who's it talking about? Jesus. He created angelic beings. 
He is believed to have taken the form of an angel in uh, biblical history. Let me uh, cite some of those accounts. With Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 by the Oaks of Mamre, this would be either a theophany or a Christophany, a manifestation of God through an angelic uh, presence. Uh, He is believed to have taken the form of an angel with Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 at the brook of Jabbok. Uh, when he wrestled, when Jacob wrestled with the angel, with Joshua in Joshua chapter 5 near Jericho, with Gideon in Judges chapter 6 by the oak at Ophrah, and with the three Hebrew young men in the book of Daniel. Uh, He is believed to be that theophany or that Christophany, that angel of the Lord. What is Jesus like in relation to angels? He not only created them, he is believed to have taken the form of an angel. He was attended to by angels during his earthly ministry at his birth. You know the account. When the shepherds were waiting on the hillside, it says in verse 9 of Luke 2, the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. And so the angels were attending to the event of Christ coming into the world. This was at his birth. Max Lucado, who is a prolific writer and one that many people enjoy, wrote in the book entitled The Applause of Heaven. He says, an ordinary night with ordinary sheep and ordinary shepherds, And were it not for a God who loves to hook an extra on the front of the ordinary, the night would have gone unnoticed. The sheep would have been forgotten and the shepherds would have slept the night away. But God dances amidst the common and that night he did a waltz. The black sky exploded with brightness. Sheep that had been silent became a chorus of curiosity One minute the shepherd was dead asleep and the next he was rubbing his eyes and staring into the face of an alien angel. The night was ordinary no more. The angel came in the night because that is when lights are best seen. And that is when they are most needed. God comes into the common for the same reason. Jesus Christ is attended to by angels and that was evidenced at the time of his birth. Uh, He was attended to at his temptation, and you know this from Matthew chapter 4. After he was tempted by the devil, it says, Satan left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. He was ministered to at his death, at the crucifixion in Matthew chapter 26. The text says, don't you think that I cannot appeal to my father, this is Jesus talking, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus Christ was attended to at his resurrection. You know the story, Matthew chapter 28. Who was it that rolled the stone away from the mouth of the tomb? It was an angel. And it was the angel who directed those who were coming to find Jesus at that time where they might find him. He was attended to by angels at his ascension in Acts chapter 1. Behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. Men of Galilee, said the angels, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who's been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. 
He will be attended to and accompanied by angels at his second coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, To give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who know not God. So you get the idea. Angels have been present throughout biblical history. And as it pertains to Jesus Christ himself, we see his uh, relationship with him. He who is far greater than the angels. He created them. He took the form of an angel. He's attended to by angels. He is worshipped by angels. Hebrews chapter 1 You're in chapter 1. Look at verse 6. See what it says there? And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. That's uh, displayed again in the book of Revelation. The whole point of this is that Jesus Christ is far greater than the angels. Let's go back to our sentence. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels that which angels long to look into. Let's go to that second part of the sentence. He brought to us who are a little lower than the angels. Look at chapter 2. Look at chapter 2. I'm going to read beginning at verse 5. Remember, the writer of Hebrews is trying to establish the fact that Jesus Christ is superior, uh, and he's superior than the angels. Verse 5, chapter 2 of Hebrews, For he did not subject to angels the world to come, concerning which we are speaking, but one has testified somewhere, saying, and here the writer of Hebrews begins to quote Psalm 8, What is man that you are remembering him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You've made for him a little, you've made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, that is to man or mankind, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him, but we do see him, Jesus, who was made uh, for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels. Let's stay on that phrase. What are we as humans like in relation to the angels? You ever pondered that? Thought about what are we, how do we compare with the angels? We have less ability than the angels, uh, knowledge and power. Uh, James says in chapter 2, he says, You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons who are fallen angels also believe. They know what we know about Jesus, and they shudder. Uh, They have greater power than we do. It says, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. No human being could do what that angel did at the site of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have less ability than the angels. We are observed 
by angels. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul the Apostle is talking, for I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. So we're observed by the angels. In Psalm 91, we're guarded by angels. I cited that earlier. He will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And so we have less ability than angels. We are observed by angels. We are guarded by angels. I'd like to camp on that just a moment. That story I told at the beginning about my mother uh, who believed that she in that encounter with a man uh, who she invited into our kitchen was an, an angel unaware. I referred to Billy Graham in his book, Angels, God's Secret Agents. He says, millions of angels are at God's command and at our service. The hosts of heaven stand at attention as we make our way from earth to glory. And Satan's BB guns are no match for God's heavy artillery. Here he's using metaphors and figures of speech to convey the superiority of God and his company of holy angels. In this same book, the late Dr. Graham related a story about missionary John Payton and his wife in the islands of the, called the New Hebrides. He says, it is said that one night they were surrounded by hostile natives who wanted to kill them. They prayed through the night for protection and at daylight saw that the attackers were leaving. A year later, the chief of the tribe of the attackers became a Christian, and Peyton asked him about the night of the attack and why nothing had happened. And the chief was surprised and said it was because of all the men who were uh, there protecting them, hundreds of them in shining garments and withdrawn swords. You say that's anecdotal, that's hearsay, but those kind of stories are repeated many times over for people who are on the front lines of ministry and in danger because of the work that they do for the sake of Jesus Christ. We, who are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, are guarded by angels. We're ministered to by angels. In Hebrews chapter 1, if you're still there, look at verse 14. Are they angels, not all ministering spirits, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? It's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is this. Certainly, they minister to us who are heirs of salvation. We will one day judge angels. Paul the Apostle indicates in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? The point I'm getting to is is that Jesus Christ was able to bring what he brought to us, we who are a little lower than the angels, because he himself was made a little lower than the angels by taking on human flesh. Look what it says in verse 9 of chapter 2, Hebrews. Verse 9. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering and death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jump to verse 14. 
Therefore, since the children, talking about humanity, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise, that's, it, that's Jesus Christ, also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham, humanity, you and me. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels. And his being able to bring us something happened because he took on human flesh. What was it that he brought to us? That's the third part of the statement. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels that which angels long to look into. Would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1? 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning at verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 1. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This salvation that was procured for us by God's Son, Jesus Christ. Here's a question. Where do angels fit within God's purposes. We've identified by describing their activity, we've identified some of that already. But angels were originally holy. Let's go back uh, just to consider in biblical history the role of angels. They were originally holy. In Genesis chapter 1, we know that God made everything that was good. We know that angels are created. We know that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, uh, created all things, even the principalities and uh, powers, all dominion. And God created all things good, perfect, and holy. But there was a time when there were uh, those who followed Lucifer, who fell because of his pride. So angels were originally holy. Some rebelled in sin. Jude 6 says, And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So those who rebelled followed Satan. They became evil angels, for lack of a better word. Evil angels shudder about their doom. We've already identified that from James chapter 2. But holy angels marvel at salvation, based on the text that we just read in 1 Peter chapter 1. They marvel. They long to look into the very redemption that you and I have benefited from because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Holy angels rejoice at the conversion of sinners. That's spoken of in Jesus' earthly ministry in Luke 15 in the same way. I tell you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
Holy angels assist men in the proclamation of the gospel. In reading the book of Acts, note how angels were involved in the process of bringing the message of redemption to man. It was an angel in Acts chapter 8 who compelled Philip to go from Samaria where he was preaching to the desert road south of Jerusalem to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch who was seeking the truth about the Messiah. It wasn't the angel who told the eunuch about Christ. It was Philip. But what enabled Philip to get to that man was an angel who prompted him to go. It was an angel in Acts chapter 10 who compelled Cornelius, the Roman centurion, to seek out Peter, the apostle, in order for him to explain the message of Jesus Christ. So holy angels assist men in the proclamation of the gospel. Oswald Chambers, in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, said, angels cannot preach the gospel Only beings such as Paul and you and I can preach the gospel. Here's the point. Angels marvel and rejoice at God's plan of redemption. I want to make some clarification here in light of that. There's no indication in Scripture that angels can or will be redeemed. Those who are fallen are doomed and shudder at the thought. Those who are holy rejoice with us at the salvation of men. They assist us in our efforts to bring others to the Savior. And we must be diligent to do the work that angels only wish they could do. That is, tell others about Jesus Christ. That responsibility belongs to you and to me. He who is far greater than the angels, brought to us, who are a little lower than the angels, that which angels long to look into, the salvation of mankind. Three takeaways. As fascinating as the ministry of angels is, the focus should always be on Jesus Christ, whom they worship and serve. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway, as diligent as their ministry is in assisting you and me, who are the heirs of salvation, our ultimate dependence is on Jesus Christ and on the Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers. I don't call on angels. I don't know who is attending to me. That's not for me to know. My faith and my confidence is in Jesus Christ, and my dependence is on the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. Here's the third take of the way. Nevertheless, we should give thanks to the Lord for his provision of these ministering spirits who serve as a reminder of the superiority of Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder that the angels sang? Is there any reason why we shouldn't sing? I'd like you to join with me. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Born the King of angels, 
Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Cry.